Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm leaning on Jesus. Amen. Safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning on the everlasting arm. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. God is good. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're visiting with us, we, if you're not accustomed to um, this type of service, um, we just love Jesus. And when you get in front of that scream and screen and you start screaming at your favorite Eagles or 49ers or whatever teams are playing tonight, I apologize. Not an NFL fan. <laughs> uh, if it was Clemson, it would be a different story. But the, the, the idea is that we will shout at and, and paint faces and we will dress accordingly with the right attire and we will look crazy for something that's temporal, something that's just a game, and yet we serve an eternal God who's given us victory forever and ever and ever. And what more is there to shout about and be excited about than knowing that we own the righteous team, the team of God, the plan of God, the things of God. We are victorious. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Courtney and Brandon, so good to have you with us. And we love Miss Missy. She's a sweetheart. We... Um, we tolerate Sam, but Sammy, but you know, no, I'm just kidding. We love you guys. Thank, thank you for being here today. Uh, good to have Oslin with us, uh, coming down from New Jersey, and we're thankful that you're here. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Amen. And good to have uh, Gail and Joe with us, uh, down from long distance, down that from. I mean, I'm not talking about bitter water. I'm talking about sweet water. And we're glad that they are here this morning as well. Good to have all of you. You know, um, I'm so thankful to be a part of a, a a place that people can say we can come in and we and we f- we feel the love, we feel uh, the appreciation and value, and you guys make that. You you guys set that tone of your uh, friendliness and your. Uh, passion for others, and I just pray that we will continue to set that tone. Amen? Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to see all these young people sitting up here? Yeah. (laughs) Starting right here, right? Starting right here. Starting right here, you know. Oh, yeah, all the way down, you know, all the way down. So, I mean, we got youth and we got joy, just older youth. We got them all right here, you know. (laughs) But yeah, uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm getting the sweet eyes from a few. You know, I might be getting a stink eye from a few of them. <laughs> hey, just come on down and join us up front. You know, but no, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate. Don't, we have a great group of young people, don't we? That's right. <laughs> Justin, come here for a minute, man. Come here, handsome. <laughs> man, this guy right here yesterday. Uh, he, he did an, a phenomenal job of organizing and putting together a Nerf war, Nerf battle, right? And you, you may or may not have seen that on Facebook. If you, if you haven't, you know, liked our page, get on there, like the page so that you can see what all is going on and keep up with activities. But yesterday we had over 105 that's, that's, what, that's what was listed on what I saw, 105 people, 75-plus kids came yesterday, and they had a blast in here. And what, what that does is it, it, it invites them. It says, look, this is a place where we love you, we value you, we accept you, and we want you to be a part of us. And so thank you, Justin, for putting together that event. Man, you are awesome, buddy. We love you, man. Appreciate you. That's right. We, we, had, we even had one uh, dad text me last night and said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to be there anymore. My wrist hurts. <laughs> and and I, what I did is I text back and said, oh, you're getting too old to play with the kids, huh? <laughs> we won't name names. 
I probably would have been in that camp. I just, you know. <laughs> but no, we appreciate all of you guys who not only, um, you know, participated, but on that uh, youth and children's team. Guys, you, you make it happen. And we appreciate all of you guys for your commitment to working with youth and children. And we're so thankful for you. Hey, guys, if you don't, if you don't know, if you're not aware, we actually have a connection times. You know, uh, a lot of churches have small groups, and we, we do uh, semesters where we will start small groups on, Wednesday, on Sunday nights called Sunday Night Grow. And that starts the first Sunday of March, and we, we already have some phenomenal classes going to, that's going to be established. One of those is New Testament Survey, where you can actually get credit uh, or you can get a certificate, so whichever way you like, um, uh, for a New Testament Survey class. It's going to be awesome if you are looking for something more in-depth uh, and would like to get a good foundation in New Testament theology and New Testament survey, we would love you to be a part of that. We have a, a Romans class that's going to be started. We have a, a class called the Sin of Sodom. Um, so we already have some uh, classes that are, that are being uh, planned. And what that looks like, um, just for your information, the Sin of Sodom is the fact that there is a large movement within the, uh, within the homosexual uh, agenda that that claims Christianity, and a lot of times, a lot of times, we as Christians do not know how to help them see the Word of God because a lot. Of, how many know that you can make the Word of God say anything? You can pull passages out. You can uh, you can uh, put them in out of out of context and make them say a lot of different things. And a lot of times we as Christians don't have the depth and knowledge of how to lovingly express truth. And so that is what that class is all about, to help us to lovingly express truth, to be able to uh, help someone who is struggling. How many know that a lot of those who are walking in homosexuality are just deceived and struggling with with things that, that are on the inside, they don't know how to express, they don't know the truth of God's word, and if somebody comes in with a twisted word, they will follow that because they're looking for identity. Come on. Good people who are struggling with something that is inappropriate. You know, we can make that the worst sin in the world, but really, you know, there's other sins like gluttony, like, you know, gossip. Uh, you know, it, it, we, why don't we feel the same way with all of that? Right? So we want to lovingly help people find truth in God's Word, and those are, those are, the op- those are some opportunities that we're looking at uh, putting together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2 says, All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field or the country. I don't know about you, but man, wouldn't it be awesome for something of the blessings to just overtake you. You're driving down the road, and you're bebopping, you know, and you're like, whoo, I just need something. And all of a sudden, just this presence comes into the car, and whoo, you know, you just feel overtaken by the love of God, the blessings of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow. That's what I want, man. I want the blessings just to overtake me. me too. Amen. And, and here this word says, you know, all these blessings will come upon you they will come on you and they will overtake you if man lord's always got to put conditions in there doesn't he if you obey the lord your god and if you obey the lord your god blessed will you be in the city in other words whether you're urbanites or cityites or or countryites or fieldites (laughs) blessed will you be in the fields blessed will you be in the city and then if you really go on, you can research that and look at that. And we can see in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that the whole chapter is talking about the blessings of God. Amen? And it's talking about those who uh, receive the blessings of the Lord. And, and I, I really look at the, the fact that God wants us to walk in the blessings, that God wants us to experience His love. He wants us to, to experience His truth. And, and we can see that up and close and personal in the life of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 17. And, and we see that the very word that says uh, in verse 5 says, So the Lord established the kingdom in His control, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. So the Lord established 
the kingdom. How many want to be established? I want to be established in God's plan. When I think of the word established, I think of uh, to institute something, to permanently, uh, by enactment or agreement, or through covenant, to make firm or stable. That's kind of what uh, establishment means. So, to set to set something. How many ever heard the term set for life? You know, somebody receives this great inheritance, and they say, man, they are set for life. Some of you probably set for life. You know, we're, uh, I'm still working on it, right? <laughs> or, we get, or, or, or we get a job, or we get a position that seems to uh, be exactly what we needed, that we're struggled, and we've wondered, and how we're going to make it, and, and we get this job, and it's like, man, finally, I'm set for life. It's kind of like, uh, how many have ever put on fence posts? Some of you put in some fence posts in your life. I'm not talking about, you know, the metal ones that you, you know, put the thing on, you know, hurt your shoulders as you're trying to beat them down, you know. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the corner post, the post at the gates, right? Because those kind of posts, you've got to dig down. You can't dig down two or three inches, can you? I mean, you just can't sit on the surface. It's got to go deep, you know. You don't. If you want four foot up, you've got to put like, you know, you've got to buy a seven-foot post because you've got to go deep. And, and, and when you get it down deep enough, you can set the post in there, but does that mean it's set? No, because, you know, you can't string wire on it because it's, you know, flopping in the hole, right? So you set that post in there, and then you can find some big rocks. Somebody say big rocks. Big rocks. Find some big rocks, and you set them in there, and you put your plumb line on, and you put your, you know, um, th- uh, uh, level, thank you. <laughs> My bubble's in the middle. I'm on the level. <laughs> so you put the level on it. Peanut gallery over here. <laughs> and, 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 and you get it and make sure it's just right. Make sure that bubble's in the middle. Make sure everything's good. And, and, and then it's still not set. It might be a little more firm it might be set in position, but it's not set completely. And then you get over and you get some good mortar mix and you mix it up. But how many know you just can't put that powder mix in there? You got to put something else in it. You got to put some water. You got to put some gravel. You mix that up. You know, in, in Honduras, we didn't have any barrels, you know. We, we'd throw that stuff on the ground and we'd just toss and we'd mix it, you know. Because you put your powder in a little round you know, place and then you pour your water in the middle, middle and then you dump your gravel in it and you just keep mixing it up. And so once you get it mixed up good, then you pour it into that hole, right? And bam, it's done. No. Got a who? Got a set. We set too much, don't we? No, it's got to set because if you then try to attach something to it, it's going to move because it takes time. How many know it takes time? Say time. Time. And you'll take a kindergartner and you set them up in front of the class and you teach. No, it takes time. It takes time for them to grow, for them to learn, to be established. And so just like that, we, there's a process of us being established in the Lord. And I believe God wants to establish every one of us in his plan. Amen? Isaiah 54 and 14 says, In righteousness you will be established. I'll say that again. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not uh, it will come near to you. Think about that. The word established here, once again, the, it's a verb meaning to set up. So it's got to be set up. It's got to make firm. It's got to be established uh, to prepare. It's got to be prepared. So the primary action of this verb is to cause to stand in an upright position. How many know we need to be upright before the Lord? In an upright position, and thus the, wor- the word also means to be fixed, to be steadfast. Thank you, Jesus. And so when I look at this uh, scripture, Isaiah 54, I see that there's something that was written way before that. 
in that same chapter, and I, I'm sorry guys if I didn't give you this, but in verse 2 it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. That word, spare not. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will, will possess nations. Wow. So those who are established, there's something that we gain from being established. There's something that we have an understanding. We have a firmness about us that we understand that it's not just a temporary fix. It's not just something that happens in a moment, but we begin to do something because we know there's a firmness and a foundation that allows us to do the unthinkable. How many know that people get small-minded sometimes? Right? Sadly is, is when we lose sight of God's kingdom purpose, we get small-minded. Well, I can, well, you know, this is all I can do because this is all that I have. But, but when you think about it, as I said last week, we, we come to God, we recognize who we are. We start where we are, right? We use what we have, we do what we can, and trust God with what we can't. And when we come to God, it's like Moses. He told Moses, what do you have in your hand, Moses? So many times we're so, uh, so belittling of our own self because we think, well, I don't have any abilities or I don't have this you know, knack to do that or this. The fact is, is that God has given every single one of you a gift, a talent, and he expects you to use it for the, his glory, for his purpose. And it might not be the glorious position that you think of. It could be something simple, but the fact is, is every single one of us have purpose. So we have to move past small thinking. God, I'm expecting you to do the unex- unexpected. I'm expecting you to do beyond what my, my thought process will allow me to think because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're above it. He can do far beyond what we ask or what we think. He is that kind of God. He is a God of impossibilities. He's a God that can do things that we never thought we could accomplish. But if we will trust him, he can use us for his purpose. I think we limit God so much to our natural law and our natural abilities, but God is a supernatural God. Amen? I mean, just think. How many of the disciples could have walked on water if they would have just had the same faith as Peter? Right? I mean, they wasn't near the bank. They were out in the middle of of this uh, sea, and yet Jesus said, come. And too many times we are so limited by our small-mindedness to think that this is all that I can do because this is all that I'm capable of, and yet God's saying, I can move you past your capabilities. If you'll give me all that you've got, if you'll give me all that you can do, then trust me to do what you can't. I will allow you to step on the waters. Come on, somebody. I'll allow you to step on the inabilities that you thought you couldn't do, and I will stretch you beyond measure. I mean, I imagine Philip sitting there talking to the eunuch, never thought he would be translated, right? I mean, these are these, are these Beam Me Up Scotty movements, right? Oh, before Beam Me Up Scotty could ever be imagined, here's, here's Philip who's being translated from one place to another because God says, I don't need you there anymore. I need you over here. And if God can do it then, he can do it now. We need to stop small-minded mentalityness and begin believing God for the impossible because why aren't sick people healed? Because we're not going to the hospital to pray for them to be healed. Amen. We've got to have faith. We've got to walk in the in the trueness of who he is and believe that he's able to do far above what we may ask or what we may think. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, not only that, when we are establishing God, not only will we think larger than what we can think, but we also understand that there's no weapon. Because in that same chapter of Isaiah chapter 54, at the very end it says, no weapon forged against you shall prosper. 
Because we begin to understand something is bigger than us. It's something greater than us. It's something more powerful than us. It's something that, that we don't have to fret over. We don't have to worry over. That we can trust God. That if he's called us to it, he will see us through it. He is able to do it because he is God. Amen. Right? I mean, if you look at that, verse 17 of Isaiah 54, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses. Come on, somebody say accuse. Accuse. How many know that there's an accuser of the brethren out? Out seeking whom he may devour, right? So and even every tongue that accuses you in judgment will be condemned. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. I don't know about you, but those who, uh, who God has established are servants of God. And we have that same heritage that, heritage that we can walk in. Thank you, Jesus, right? So we go back to looking at Jehoshaphat's life. Verse 17, I'm sorry, verse 5 of chapter 17, Second Chronicles says, So the Lord established the kingdom in his control. How many know that we're creatures that like control? Mm, boy, that hurts, don't it? <laughs> Jesus. We have to admit that sometimes. Man, I like to be in control. I like having everything lined out, ready to go, know what to expect, know how it's going to happen. And then when things don't happen the way we want, man, that just ain't no good, is it? Is that all right to say that ain't no good? Whew. That's that good southern talk, Joe. Sorry, man. It's just not good. Because then we feel like we're out of control. But yet here the Lord says, I will establish the kingdom in your control. And, and, and to understand that why is it established in his control? Why is God putting this together? Because one, he sought the Lord. If you go back uh, earlier, you know, it says that in verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baal, the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel act. You know, I, I, I'm interested in this because there's so many people who feel like they have to follow their parents' ways. And, and what I really appreciate about, appreciate about Jehoshaphat is the fact that he was able to discern what was right and what was wrong. He could see in his, in his father David, he could see in his father Asa that there was something wrong. There were some things that he did right. There were some things that his father did right, but he also understood that in the latter days of his father, when his father began to trust in other armies rather than trusting God. How I many know that the story there in chapter 15 and 16 where uh, he was truly surrendered to God, he truly believed God, and he called on the name of the Lord, his, this is his father, and, and when the army of the Ethiopians came against him, uh, he trusted God, he called out and said, Lord, you know, who are we? We're unable to do this. And God was able to deliver them from the armies of Ethiopia. And yet, later on in life, some 21 years later, after all those things had taken place, another army came against him. Basha from Israel, the army of Israel, came against Judah. And instead of truly trusting in God, instead of truly turning his heart to, to the Lord and saying, God, what do you want me to do? He went to the king of Aram and said, hey, I need some help. And, and, and therefore, here's the king of Aram coming in and helping them win this battle. And because he did not use the Lord, the Lord rebuked him. He got angry. How many know that we don't like to be called out, do we? I don't, I don't like to be called out. But I appreciate it when I get called out because, you know, it's a humbling experience. <laughs> You know, this journey is full of things that will, that will cause us to be humbled. And it's how we re react or respond to those things will determine where we go from there. Amen? I mean, I, I feel like so many people are lost in this fact. So many Christians are lost 
with this, with this understanding because it's as if they think that if you become a Christian that you will not have to face temptations and trials, you will not have to face hardships, you will not have to face the sin of the world. And that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. Because the reality is, is that once you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the prince of this world, right? Paul calls him the God of this world. The, the deceiver, the enemy, will then be your greatest enemy. You will walk through trials. You will walk through tribulations. You'll walk through hardships. And, and what they do is to help us be formed and established Come on, that's that word. Established in the ways of God. And if we allow everything that comes by to knock our post over out of the hole before we are cured, if you will, then we are not established. But we have to understand that there's going to be things that come and pull us. There are going to be things that come and shake us. There are going to be things that come and try to knock us over. But we need to spend some time with the Lord to know that we are being set, we're being uh, firmed up, we're being cured in Him, that we can stand the test of times, and that when everything pulls us, when something comes against us, our fence we know that we are established in him amen amen Amen. so we need to be aware of the the fact of what is right and what's wrong just because mama did it just because daddy did it just because grandma and grandma did it doesn't mean it's the way you should do it let me tell you something guys so many people are not in church today, having been raised in church because the methods and models were more religious than they were relationship. It was a bunch of don't do this and do that. Don't do this and don't do that, right? And because of that, there was no relationship because rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so many times we have forced religion on people instead of truly helping them find the one that they can have a relationship with that can transform and transition their life to something more stable and more firm and who can establish them to a bunch of rules and regulations that they can't even follow, that we can't even follow ourselves. So we need to understand that just because somebody said something doesn't mean it's right. We need to get into God's Word. We need to be established in the word of God and the truth of God's word. And so therefore, you see, Jehoshaphat was able to determine what was right and what was wrong. And he knew that his father had strayed from God because in the latter years of his life, though it wasn't that he uh, turned his back on God, he did not call on the Lord. Let me tell you something, guys. If you truly want to be established in God, you've got to call on him. How will you know his plan? How will you understand his will? How will you be able to relate to someone that you don't know? Amen? So God wants us to establish and seek his face. Seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's the word of God. If you search for him, he'll he'll be found by you. He wants to be found. So we see that Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He walked in the ways. The, it literally means he walked in the earlier ways of his father. So we need to identify what's right so that we can walk in those things that are right and righteous. But I love this, the fact that Jehoshaphat understood something, that when you are established by God, it's not gonna, you're, it doesn't mean you're going to line up with everybody around you. I mean, if you look at verse 6, it says, He took great pride in the ways of the Lord. And he again removed the high places and the Asherim from Judah. So you have to understand the culture of the day. They, there was a, a great pressure from all different outside sources that influenced the people in the area. And they worshipped in high places. They would worship idol worship. They would... Uh, all different types of polyistic type worship. And yet here he was going against the culture of the day. Look, I, I believe that we as Christians are so afraid to stand up for the truth of God's word because we're fr- so afraid to step into the cultural ramifications of what that means for us. 
It's not popular. It's not, the, it's not the popular culture of today to be a Christian, to walk in righteousness, to, to allow God to establish us. We've got to compromise a little bit so that we can, uh, so that we can uh, be understood by the world. Let me tell you something. I'm not talking about your hairstyle. I'm talking about the purity of your heart. I'm talking about living out this word of God. Look, styles may change. Your bell bottoms may come and your bell bottoms may go, right? Your pants to your stomach or to your chest or down to your you know, belly button, it may come and go. Your baggy you know, pants, your hammer pants. Y'all, some of y'all, yeah. I hit a generation there that, y'all know what I'm talking about. Got a little, come on now. Hammer time. Down, 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 down. Yeah. If Vic was here, I'd be in trouble right now. But your zipper and your jam pants and all that stuff may come and go. But the Word of God will stand forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever from beginning to end. It will always be for His Word is forever true. It's not culturally significant because Christianity is not a subculture. We've made Christianity a subculture. What's well, this specific type of music? And, and look, I'm thankful that there are those like Kanye West and those who were being transformed by the power of God and are now be, being a voice to a generation that me and you probably can't reach. Right? I mean, we... We, we don't walk that mentality. We don't live in that mindset. But yet his words are true and he's standing up for what is right. Thank God for that. But let me help you understand that, that Christianity is not just a subculture of music. Christianity is not just a subculture of lifestyle that we live. Christianity supersedes every culture. It is to be superimposed on any culture because we're not here to go out in missions to, to give them the American culture. Missionaries go all around the world and, and you can see the influences that, that American missionaries have made all around the world. And, and sadly is, instead of engaging them where they are, we try to superimpose our American westernized culture over societies that are not American westernized cultures. Going in to the jungle regions of Honduras and building a, building a, a sanctuary in the middle of the jungle... I had these wonderful missionaries who came in and they said, this is how you should build. You know, you need to use this material. You need to dig this foundation. And I said, wait, wait, hey, look, guys. Man, I'm super excited that you guys know how to build. I'm, I'm so glad. You're amazing. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to get a local to be the foreman of this crew. And we didn't come to tell them what to do. We came to work with them. And so... They know how something's going to stand here because when the earthquake comes or when the flood comes, they know what it needs to happen, right? So let's do what they need and let's work with them, right? Now, when it comes to this right here, at night when we open up the Word of God, we're going to preach the Word. We're going to preach the Word of God. It's not going to be... American culture, it's not going to be, you know, what we think. It's going to be, thus saith the Lord God. Amen? And so, Jehoshaphat was established, and he wasn't, he wasn't trying to please the people. He wasn't trying to make everybody happy in society. He wasn't a politician. He said, this is how it's going to be. This is the plan. This is what God has told us to do. We're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to do away with all these high places because just because culture says it's okay. And let me tell you something. Some of those high places were places where they worshipped Jehovah God. But he said, that's not how it was ascribed for us to do, and therefore we're going to do it the way God has told us to do it, and this is how it's going to be done. Amen? But you know, the other thing that I really appreciate about, about him is the fact that Jehoshaphat wasn't just someone who went out and said, hey, this is how you're going to do it. 
But the Bible tells us that he then sent out priests to go and to teach others. I mean, that's, that's the greatest weakness of the body of Christ today. We love to come in. We love to clap our hands. We love to shout. We love the feelings of what it means to worship. We love the idea that our sins are forgiven. We love all of those factors. But who are we telling about it? Because, you know, well, I'm established. I'm good. Me and God, we good. You hear that? How many have ever heard somebody say that? We good. How's your relationship with Jesus? I'm good. I'm not asking if you're good. I'm asking, is Jesus good with you? And, 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 and I think that we get to that place where as long as we good, it doesn't matter about anybody else. I'm good. And yet, we're, if we are truly established in the Lord, then we would have the passion and the heart of the Lord, and that is to go out and tell others. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things that I commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a responsibility to those who are established in God. If, God. if my father gave me a job, guess what? I am responsible for the job. I'm responsible for the passion that he has for it. I want to do it to my best ability. And God's given us a role as we are established in him. And do other people know? What are we expressing? What are we sharing? What are we telling them? Are we discipling others? Are we letting them know this truth that we have had, that we have bottled up inside of us? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like Jeremiah. It's a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it back. Amen. Kind of like one little church up in Ohio when a little uh, preacher was preaching, and there's a black congregation in the in the back. To, the little guy stood up and says, it's a fire shoved up in my bones. Somebody needs to get it shoved up in your bones. Because we need to understand that we carry the words of life. We carry the anointing of God. We carry the power of God. We are established in his kingdom purpose. And if we are just holding it in, what else are other people losing out on because we're just holding it in? That's good preaching, Pastor Paul. Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, I tell, I tell. I can tell you, it's about that time. Because when you think about the discipleship, it says they taught in Judah having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah, and they taught among the people. And listen to this verse 10. Now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands which were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Think of this, guys. Look, when somebody is so set and established in what they believe, you can't change their mind. Look, poor little Jehovah's Witness guy can come knock on my door over and over and over and over again. And guess what? He's going to walk away disappointed every single time. Matter of fact, I'm going to invite him in. Hey, man, let's talk about this thing. Because guess what? He's not going to sway me. I'm established in who I am. But how many, how many young people, how many people sit in pews and have emotionally charged moments with God, but yet have never grown to the depth of foundation and firmness in Christ Jesus, that when every whim of doctrine comes by, they're just, woo, that sounds good. Let me go down here because they got something that we don't have. What? If Jesus is Jesus, he's Jesus here, he's Jesus there, he's Jesus over yonder, he is everywhere, he's able, he's capable, he just needs somebody who will believe him, who will trust him, who will say, let me believe in Jesus. 
because when you're established in God, you have a relationship with God. You have a relationship that has communication with God. And that communication has a desire of telling others about what you have experienced. Somebody says, well, I'm not qualified to teach. Guess what? Did you get saved? Then you better tell somebody about that. Right? I don't understand how it happened. This is who I used to be, and this is who I am today. You know, all, all I know is when I walked into the church, I was cussing like a sailor, smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. But when I left, I woke up under the third pew, under the, under the seat, speaking in a heavenly language. I don't know what happened, but I know that I never want to go back to what I used to be because God transformed my life. I can't tell you the details, but I can tell you the same God who changed me can change you. He can transform your life, but you need to surrender to him, and you need to tell somebody that God is able. God's able. God's able. Tell somebody. Because it just might be that your words, that what is stirring in your bones is what they're just looking for. They're saying, I'm broke. I'm, I'm bound. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of it. But when they hear that God transformed your life and he took that sin away from you, that just might be that they say, Whatever you got, I want. Wherever you're going, I'm going. If it's down to, to Amcog, I'm going with you. It might look weird. It might look different. It might not be what I was raised in. But guess what? There's some power. There's some anointing right there. And I want some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Look. When we are truly discipled, even the world fears us. Why is it that you can talk about God, you can talk about the man upstairs, but you, when you talk about Jesus, everybody gets angry? You can talk about Allah, you can talk about Confucius, you can talk about the Hindu faith, Gandhi and everybody else. Everybody, oh, they're so good teachers. They're just good. But you start talking about Jesus, and nobody's happy. They don't like it. Say it again. They're hostile. And the world knows if they can dumb you down, if they can water down who Jesus is, if they can water down the truth of God's word, and they can get you to this wishy-washy faith that whatever they submit to you, that you say, well, his grace is sufficient. He'll just cover that too. And I'm, I'm not downing the grace. Thank God for grace. Amen? Because the Bible says you were once one of those. <laughs> right? But what I'm saying is, is that I'm required because of my love for God, because of of what he's done for me, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He says in James, he says, faith without works is dead. It can't be just lip service that I'm saying. If I truly want to be established in him, the establishment is setting firmly his truth in me that when I walk, there's nothing else that I can portray. You know, and I know, just being Clemson fan, you can go ahead and play. Being a Clemson fan, I really do like Dabo Sweeney. Even if I wasn't a Clemson fan, I like him. And the thing is, is that when the Freedom From Religion group came against him about five years ago because he was baptizing football players on the field, he said, I can't separate who I am. He said, my faith is who I am. And see, so we, we live in this postmodern world that wants to say, well, you can, you can live this life here, you can live that life there, you can, you, can, you can compartmentalize your life. But I'm, I'm sorry, your postmodern mentality is not the truth of God's word. Because Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And so therefore, I've got to know Jesus 
in my school. I got to know Jesus at my work. I got to know Jesus in my home. I got to know Jesus at church. I got to know Jesus while I'm driving down the road. I got to know Jesus everywhere. And when somebody asks me who you are, I can't help it. Because who I am is who Jesus has made me. Because I'm only who I am because I'm in Christ Jesus. And apart from him, I can't do nothing. I'm his. This morning, I encourage you. I encourage you. Be established. Because when when the foundations are shaken, when all hell breaks loose against you, When you know that you know that you know Jesus delivered me. I mean, Thomas David says, thy rod and thy staff, right? They comfort me. I don't know how in the world a rod and staff comforts you, right? But let me tell you why. Because every time something would come against a sheep, David would beat him with the rod. He would win the victory for the sheep. And every time he did that, he'd whittle a little line in the rod. That's one. When the bear came, guess what? Whittle another line. And so I can look back and say, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Because I can look back at the staff and say, you did it for me here, God. You'll do it for me right here. You did it this time. You did it that time. And God, I know that if you can do it, you'll do it again. And you will deliver me once again. And I'm comforted by the fact that I know, that I know, that I know that my Redeemer lives. Because when we're established in Him, And we're truly disciples of the Lord, standing firm in our post, if you will. Being cured by His presence. Whenever wind and wave of doctrine comes, we'll stand firm in Him. But not only will we stand firm, but we want others to be firm with us. Because guess what? I might be a corner beam, but there's a post here, there's a post there, and on down to the next corner. That means we got to be unified, folks. we got to be established in Him. We need each other to be established. Because when we're playing Red Rover, Red Rover. If somebody's not firm enough, guess what? Somebody's going to break through. And I want to know that I'm firm and that I'm with some people who are firm, who are holding hands, encouraged encouraging one another through the Word of God, through the teaching, through being disciples. And that when we know that we know, man, we're overcomers like, no, like nobody's business. And the world begins to fear us. They already do. They, they might be numerous and they might bash us from every side. They might call us names and uh, say they're clinging to their guns and their Bibles, whatever they want to say. I'd rather cling to this than anything else in this world. I'd rather be called a Bible-clinging, Pentecostal, tongue-talking preacher than anything else. Because I know that I know that I know that he's real. I mean, I want to be established. I want to be established. Maybe this morning you're feeling unstable maybe you don't feel established maybe you've been wavering or the enemy's been attacking and causing doubt and fear and turmoil and and terror in your mind well today we can stand with you for the power of God to rise up in you if that's you this morning would you be willing to come forward and let's pray with you Pastor, I need, I'm struggling. This has been a fight for my life. I'm struggling. But I know that this word today is for me. And I want to be firm in him. If that's you this morning, would you be willing to come? I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I don't want you to feel uh, 
down. I mean, look, we're together. Because when you're, when you're up, you're up. And when you're down, you're down. Hey, look. Hey, I, sometimes I'm halfway. And I need you. But we need each other. Anyone else? So, man, I, I want to be established. It's been a fight. I'm struggling. And I need the hand of the Lord to touch me. I need the hand of the Lord. I need this body of believers to stand with me. I need to know that I know that I'm not alone. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not up here in that feeling, but maybe you just want to come and pray with some of these. Would you be willing to come and join me in prayer for those who are here this morning? You're not alone. The enemy might, might want to tell you you're alone. Don't go up there. They might think bad of you. No, that's not it. That's not true. We're together. We're holding on to each other. We're trusting, fully trusting. We're believing. We need each other. Amen. We're going to sing this one song as we pray. And I know that we have communion afterwards, and, and so it may be a little longer. I, I don't apologize for that. This is, it is what it is, all right? If you have to go, you do what you got to do. But we want to make sure we're spending time truly being equipped by God. Amen? Amen. Know the blood of Jesus. Know the blood of Jesus. Know the blood of Jesus. Then wash his Oh